1: Of silence. Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude, brought to you by Boston College 24/7 and Armchair All Americans, Season Three, Week Four. The maroon and gold were more like the maroon and exposed on Friday night as the Eagles got their doors blown off by less miles and the Jayhawks by a score of 48 to 24. BC's defense got shredded like dust in the wind as Kansas carried on my wayward son at will all night. En route to their first Power 5 road win since 2008. On today's episode, we'll recap one of the most embarrassing losses in BC history, head into the courtroom for a special R Matt and I Frauds edition of Duteus Corpus, and preview what has turned into an absolute must-win versus Rutgers and Piscataway on Saturday.
0: Matt, we are a full four days from the Bleeding Kansas Massacre, recording this on Tuesday night, and I'm still catatonic after you know what we witnessed. It's my hope that talking it out for the next hour will be therapeutic, not only for you and I, but for our listeners as well. So I'm going to quote Michael Scott here, and all we can do right now is put on a brave face. Uh, before we get into everything that went wrong last Friday night, first, a word from our friends at MyBookie. Were you the one guy out of a million that predicted we lose to the Jayhawks on Friday? Do you have any idea what the money line would have paid out on that bet? Stop just talking about your predictions. It's time to get in on the action. That's why you got to go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. They include all kinds of props, live betting, parlays, futures, you name it. No matter your style, the football season is the best time of the year to bet, period. So you don't want to miss out on the action. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, I don't know that it would have provided any solace, but I could not imagine the action we would have gotten on an adjusted line for Kansas minus 23 and a half, like, legitimately might have been a 10,000 to one payout because no one on planet earth was crazy enough to foresee just how bad Friday night. I was thinking about that. I was,
1: I was just thinking about that. I, I not to brag here, but I, uh, I, I shimmied up the line to the Browns jets game last night to 19 and a half. And you'll note the Browns won by 20. So pretty impressive there by me. But yeah, if someone had taken the 21 point spread and put it on its head and went 24 the other way, I don't know. Was that a dollar to win ten million? I, I, you're, I, can't, you're, I literally can't even guy. imagine.
0: It's impossible. Yeah, it's an impossible number.
1: So I mean, it, it, and it's one thing to lose, you know, a close game to a potentially up and coming Kansas team, or even like you know, you see teams go down to FCS opponents all the time, and it's it's not a huge deal, right? It, it, it happens. It's college football. But the way we lost, and to get dominated in every single phase of the game by a team that the previous week had lost twelve to seven to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. It, you know, even for the the most staunchest das supporters, such as myself, uh, it's it's virtually impossible to defend a, a loss like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds right now, but I think that this to me is just further evidence of Adazio's ceiling. Doesn't mean he was the right guy or, or wasn't the right guy to get us back to a stable program. The recruiting is strong, and we're certainly better than where Spaz left us. But the one common denominator of really his first, you know, six, seven seasons is this one, you know, WTF loss that just comes out of nowhere. This one being the worst of his tenure by far. But, you know, that includes um, you know, last year at Purdue, which certainly was more excusable on the road, a a team that was better than their 0-2 record indicated. You know, you look at the 3-0 game against Wake, the Colorado State game, the year we beat USC, I think that was the same year, but it's a clear pattern of just one every year where the team does not get off the bus. And I don't know what to explain like I don't know how to explain it the the good news of it is that it is nothing new to this locker room apparently, and they always have one game where they don't get out of bed, so they will you know most likely bounce back and and salvage or could salvage a decent year but you know it's it's incredible that that we're we're saying that we just lost to a Kansas team that hasn't won on the road at a power five program since two thousand and eight or road game period since two thousand and ten, yet somehow this is not. Uncharted territory for BC fans of the last decade.
1: We allowed we allowed them to score on seven straight possessions. Uh, that's unfathomable against Clemson. Forget about
0: Kansas. Uh, and by the way, not seven straight possessions, but all like all over like seventy yards.
1: R- right. Yeah. There was there was you know we didn't turn the ball over. That's and, we'll, and we'll, right. we'll get
0: into the details here. But
1: but no, I mean, and you talked about the Purdue game where you know by and large that was just a game where everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. It was on the road. We didn't get off the bus. We were reading our, our press clippings a little too much. I think there was a lot of factors going into that game that it didn't make it excusable, and it was domination by Purdue, but this was domination in a different way. And in, in, you know, it was it was lack of preparedness. You know, it was it was defensively we just didn't belong in the same field. It seemed like every single play we had six guys and they had fourteen on the field. I've never seen a game. You know, dating back to it was honestly like when we played Howard is the closest thing I can right. I can think of, um, which was obviously, uh, you know, that's not where we want to be at this point. And to, to look like that against a team like Kansas, this could be a very long next 10 games. And and we'll get into, you know, what this means going forward. But uh, tell you what, I think you and I predicted, you know, I know, I know my pre- uh, prediction was 38 to three. That couldn't have been more wrong, and it, and it's funny that we didn't even really talk about the Kansas offense last episode. They, when we they don't rebooted. have one, right? This was a team. Or they didn't. This was a team that, that scored seven points again on Coastal Carolina. We saw that. We said, all right, the quarterback threw for hundred yards against against Coastal Carolina. They lost twelve to seven. This is not an offense that we have to worry about, and uh, we couldn't have been any more wrong than that. And so, so just to get into the game here, I mean, you guys all saw it, but um, it was a, it was a shootout in the first half, In and the first half. Well, not what we wanted to see. Um, it was at least somewhat, I don't want to say entertaining, but it was a good game. And it was, it was two teams that were going back and forth. So we got off to that 10-0 lead thanks to a you know, heavy dose of A.J. Dillon and then the pick by, uh, by Manny Alatroch. They came back and, and scored pretty quickly after that. And we went back and forth, back and forth. You know We were pretty run heavy. They were pretty run heavy. And um, it, it, was, it was two sides that were pretty much moving the football at will. And then just to fast forward here to the the play of the game that really was, you know, with the, with, what was it, 40 seconds to go. Khalil Herbert, the, the running back, just, uh, and I don't know what our coverage was on that on that play there, Matt, but that was yeah. the most unforgivable defensive play I've ever seen in my entire life so, watching So football. this one, th-
0: this one to me wasn't even like a game plan issue, so they call the run blitz, which... I'm not like a complete X's and O's football guy, but did my research on this play because I just couldn't get over it. They call a run blitz, which basically is, you know, you're pushing linebackers up and every single gap is covered. So they knew that Kansas was just going to run it into the line and go to the locker room down three, which is basically what their plan was. Somehow this guy breaks through a run blitz, which is virtually impossible the bigger issue is that as he's 40 yards downfield our defensive backs are still running downfield with the receiver like they didn't realize that it was a run and they were still two guys on the receiver down the near sideline it was an inexcusable play no matter how you look at it on on you know all 11 guys on the field and again it's it's it speaks you know we knew this defense was going to be young and inexperienced and have problems i think that we were trying to be optimistic on them but this exposed Everything from a talent issue to a coaching issue uh, to a development issue, and, and everything in between. I, I've never seen a defensive performance as bad as what we saw on Friday night, and I think that one play encapsulated all of it. You know we tweeted that we, we, we do think with an embarrassing loss like this, some heads need to roll. I don't know how high it needs to go, but the bottom line is, I don't know how Bill Sheridan is still in a job as of, as of today. Even if a midseason firing isn't going to really going to make a difference, we're not all of a sudden getting an injection of talent. Clearly, he's not doing anything of real value there and almost just for the fan service of, of you know, telling us that the admin doesn't expect or doesn't accept these pathetic results and these pathetic performances. You know, it's almost due to us to, to you know, give us a head on a platter somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's crazy that that just last week or two weeks ago after the Virginia Tech game, you know, I was calling Bill Sheridan an offensive mastermind, you know, so he, he, he you know, called a pretty perfect game plan against virginia tech especially now considering the personnel that he had but it's pretty clear that you know all that happened against virginia tech is we we had those five turnovers and if you take those five turnovers
0: away this is what happens and we just get torched so you and know a lot of naysayers said that and i think we called them out as naysayers. We but we apparently did. they were right yeah they were, you know we said oh it's a great performance they said well you had five interceptions you still only won by three points like you know they're not wrong uh, and and I think we're seeing it. You know, you look at the recruiting side of it. I know we've had the Sebastian brothers who I do think that there is some talent there. But we've got like five players on the defensive side of the field that were recruited to BC as quarterbacks. And we were just like, yeah, hey, let's throw them out there and, and figure it out. So I don't know what we expect to happen. It's a recruiting issue. It's a development issue. And it just it all came to a head. There's a reason Bill Sheridan has never stayed in a job for more than 12 months at a time. If you look at his Wikipedia, when we came on as a defensive coordinator, Giants fans were like, this is the worst thing that ever happened but you know I figured hey you know Daz for the most part picks a good staff and again I don't want to blame just one guy because obviously there are so many more issues than just one single person in that locker room but I just, I, I've never seen a performance that bad, and I leg, I can't get over it. I can't get over a performance that bad to, you know, a Les Miles, who again, might be a fine game plan coach, but talent wise, those are not his players. Those are FCS level players for the most part. I know they have a good running back. backs, a four star, but, but still, that's, that's it, right? Everyone else should not be a, a division one football player. I, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm absolutely at a loss to be completely honest with you.
1: Yeah, and their offensive line was was projected to be they were awful last year. They gave up something like I don't have the stat, but it was like 25 sacks and, and nine conference games. Like that was this was a really bad offensive line last year, and they did return you know most of the line I think, but it was projected to be again you know one of the worst in the in the Big 12. And you saw what they did to our defensive line. I think t- to me that's where the the problem begins. Is our inability to get any semblance of a pass rush, but not even that. It's it's really negative production because we're we're allowing at least two linemen to get to the second level and then clog up our uh, our yep. linebackers. So in the way that the, that Les Miles drew up the game plan was was you know pretty smart. He must have seen something on film the, the past couple of weeks by uh, by spreading out the offense and you know making it so that we only had one or two linebackers back there. And then you know it was, it was you know and while Puka Williams and, and Herbert are, are stud running backs. I think they could have put you or I out there with the size of those holes and we could have racked up a hundred yards a piece. I think the way it was going. So to me, that's issue number one. We can't, Compete against Kansas's offensive line. I don't know how we're going to do it against the rest of the ACC. That should should be much better than that.
0: I mean, you look at yeah, you look at the ground game. I mean, Wake has an amazing ground game right now. Clemson. We don't need to even talk about how good their running backs are. And the press comments afterward, Dazio was like, "Yeah, Kansas has some of the best running backs and the best running game that we're going to see all year," which is just an absolute joke. And I know the ACC is is you know been pretty terrible so far this year, but to you know compare and put them on the same playing field is just out of this world.
1: Yeah, and again, we we know we lost some of the best players in the ACC last year we lost Zach Allen we lost we lost Wyatt Ray you know you talk about the secondary obviously Will Harris was huge and and then the linebackers I'm not ready to pick on the linebackers just yet because I do think it was primarily a a game plan issue I guess we'll get to them in a a, a second because they uh they were awful when we we talk about tackling they're very much uh part of the problem they were they were horrendous but you know Conestrian so guys we we even took for granted back there those guys are, are in the NFL now and um We didn't see any growing pains against Virginia Tech. So you and I, you know, just just sort of assume that, all right, well, we'll pick up right where we left off. Bill Sheridan's a genius. We didn't need Campanelli. The whole Jim Reed, whatever happened with his demotion, whatever you want to call it, was the right move. These guys look great. We'll pick, you know, well, five turnovers every game and and this defense is going to be electric. So uh, obviously that's not the case. So I don't know where we, we go from here. I guess just to finish out the, the, the game summary. So was it, what, uh, 28 to 24 at halftime, Kansas? Yep. And then yep. Um, and we'll get into halftime adjustments or lack thereof uh, in my pood, Matt. But the second half was all Kansas. And, and whatever they did to defensively at halftime obviously stopped our running game. There were two really two possessions where we went three and out that pretty much iced the game because our defense could not stop a nosebleed. And by the time that, you know, we got the ball again, it was a 14 to 17 point game and there was no coming back from that. This team does not come back. So if we're down by multiple possessions, we're in trouble. We stopped even trying on the run game and then Kansas was able to, to, you know, hang back in coverage and, and A, B. Sort of reverted back into Jekyll, or is it Jekyll or Hyde? Is it? I'm not sure which one well, is. Whatever, bad, but yeah, whatever the bad the, one, he was the
0: horrible one, right?
1: And so the rest was history after that. But to me, it was really lost with that with that last minute. I guess it's a combination of that last minute back breaking run, the 82 yarder by Herbert, so that they got all the momentum going into halftime, and then in the second half it was just all Kansas.
0: Yeah, and the problem to me and, and I think it is because of a backbreaking way to go into half but it did just seem like the guys quit like on a body language side. No one was you know we expect we 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 talk all the time about Anthony Brown and AJ Dillon being the leaders of this team but we at least on the you know video weren't seeing guys going over and firing up the guys and trying to get everyone to rally behind it. It just seemed like horrible body language across the entire roster. Everyone seemed to give up and that was reflective, you know, clearly in the play on the second half. I don't want to let the offense off the hook here. I know you touched on them briefly, but, you know, and, and defensively, there is no excuse for giving up 48 points to Kansas. Let's be very clear. But there's also not a lot of excuses for giving up or for only scoring 24 points against um, Kansas as well. Anthony Brown took about 100 steps back. It was, I would say, his single worst game in a BC jersey by far. AJ looked great no, in that, the first that half. That wasn't
1: worse than Purdue. I, he, had, he had a pretty he had an okay first half.
0: Uh, he missed his like first five throws. Uh, I was late getting in, inside, so <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> exactly. Uh AJ finally looked good. Right? I mean like I think it was his best first half performance we've seen so far. Kansas was having no issue or or Kansas was not doing anything to stop the run, and then I understand it's just cuz we go down a couple scores, but we completely abandoned the run in the second half, which made no sense to me. I think we ran it 12 times total in the in the second half. So didn't make a lot of sense there and just nothing went right. And again, it just to me seemed a lot like Syracuse last year where these guys just quit when, when things went ahead of them. And I mean, same thing happened at Purdue as well. So that to me is the most disappointing part is not just how horrible we looked, but you know, that there wasn't a fight again, you know, and we, we saw all the tweets about how, you know, this is the first time Kansas has a win and whenever and all that. And that's true. And they're a terrible program and there's no question about that. And their talent is lacking, but they are going to be on the way up. Les Miles is a is you know ultimately a good game planner. I don't think he's a good in game manager, but he's a good game planner. We knew he was going to come out with with something. So I don't think it's as bad as losing to Kansas of last year. Certainly, but the reality is that losing by twenty four to any low level Power Five team is is inexcusable. If this was a dog fight and a shootout and we lost forty eight to forty five, it would suck obviously, but I could kind of live with it. I just I can't get over how terrible that was. And I think it legitimately was the worst loss in the Adazio era, and probably the Spazer as well. I'm putting that above Army. I'm definitely putting that above 3-0, which I saw a lot of people say as their choice. But we were a horrible team that year, playing against an equally horrible team. Nothing like this. And again, on on national TV, as one of the only games on on at the time, it was just completely embarrassing. And and I, I'm I'm literally at a loss for words. Like I don't know what else I can say about this game because it was as bad as as anything could have possibly gone
1: yeah uh you touched on the offense. there was one drive in particular that was just gorgeous by BC it was uh it was 10 plays, 73 yards it, it resulted in the uh the Idrizi touchdown over the middle but it was really set up by I think eight or nine or not it was ten plays, eight of those were runs and or running back screens and Kansas couldn't stop it. And then on the 10th play, yeah, look, right down the middle, Cora is wide open because there's eight in the box per usual once we do that. So I don't know why that wasn't the blueprint for the game. Adazio was asked, you know, what changed in the third quarter? And he really focused on the third quarter. And I sort of agree with him on this. He said by the time it was the fourth quarter, we had to, you know, go for it. It was it, was a, it became a passing necessity at that point. But those two drives in the third quarter, where we went three and out, I mean, that those were obviously the dagger. But I don't know why we, I, I don't have the drives in front of me, but... If we abandoned the run, we probably shouldn't have done that. Um, I I do recall uh, Tony throwing a couple, you know, bad incompletions. So, again, I mean, we have A.J. Dillon. Their defense sucks. We have David Bailey. We have the best offensive line, or we thought we did. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not picking on those guys. No, I think yeah, those I guys, agree. those guys played fine. But again, I don't know why we're uh, why we're getting away from from the grounded pound against that front seven that was weak coming in. So agree with you on the offense. And and I guess one other thing in the in the press conference. And I don't want to get in the whole you know whose fault it is and accountability and all that. I'm sure you have that somewhere on your list. But Adazi was basically saying, yeah, I don't know why we, we got away from the run. You know, we, we shouldn't have done that. We should have kept at it right, in the right. third quarter. And Zero was, accountability. And I don't know, if he, I don't know right. if he was blaming Bajakian or if he was just saying, hey, you know, I don't know why we did that. You know, We'll do something next time. But uh, that's just something I noted in the presser there. I, I think Bajakian's obviously calling the plays. We know that. But uh, it, it seems like an interesting way well, to voice your frustrations, you know, to the press. He, Hopefully that, that wasn't he, the case. He threw
0: right he was three and he, and, he, and again on that running play like that we talked about he threw the entire defensive unit under the bus as well which again let's be clear like it absolutely was their fault but he was saying like I've never it was a bizarre play I've never yeah, seen it, defensive back running s- with he it. said
1: the same thing about Sheridan's call and I think you said you right. said it earlier right that was re- kind of a strange combination of the
0: the run blitz and the and the man coverage which yeah wasn't even a, I mean I guess but it was, that was more of an execution issue but look when you're the head coach you're the CEO of the program and ultimately every issue rolls back to you I think throwing people under the bus is is honestly kind of a pathetic look and, and almost kind of like you're trying to save face here but I mean I think we again it's been seven years of this, right? like we at a certain point he's the common denominator here and and no matter who the OC or the DC is, these issues continue to happen. So I've yeah, never I, seen a
1: game like this in my life under, no, under, I mean, under of course under, under Jim it. Reed. So I mean focusing <laughs> just on the defense like I've never seen a, a BC defense play that poorly in all my years watching and we had some really bad defenses to go back to 2016 remember we lost by 50 to everyone we played that was a somewhat good team i think virginia tech beat us 50 to nothing that year Yep. that defense was not nearly as bad as what we saw uh no. f- friday night it wasn't even close so i don't know it's I don't, it's, I, I, it's game three of bill sheridan i to me i don't know why why you don't give the reins back to jim reed immediately just because we can't have that happen again if it's happening to kansas i i'm legitimately terrified of what Clemson's going to do to this team. They'll put up 100.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I want to move into our usual segments, Dude Poo, Dude of the Week. Dude, I'll start first. Obviously, there was nothing on the football field positively to talk about, so I'm going to Give this one to myself. And I'm going to say in general, uh, growing up and handling things somewhat more maturely. I had a tweet around New Year's that said something along the lines of my New Year's resolution is to stop getting so worked up over such a consistently disappointing athletics program. And I was not perfect, but I definitely handled last Friday significantly better than I would in years past. Certain number one is no drunk emails to Martin. That's just absolutely huge. No overly aggressive tweets. Hey, Matt, a couple things I, that I, I thought were very reasonable. I met
1: Martin on Friday.
0: Did you see that? I, yeah, I know. Which by the way, there might be a curse now. <laughs> I know. We're zero and I one mean, like, when I meet Martin. Jarman. We have to blame this on something. We are zero and one since Fourth and Dude met Martin Jarmond. Um, he's a stud. But again, he's
1: an absolute beauty in real life, though. Just, just yeah. For the record. I,
0: that's again great. But uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? Oh,
1: come on, relax.
0: I'm just, I'm just saying. I think overall, I kept it very level headed. You know, I just. I I said it was embarrassing. I I kind of kept myself very calm. I paid the bill. I put my sweatshirt on inside out and I quietly walked home. It's possible that I'm not actually handling things better. I'm just internalizing and bottling it all up. And when we lose to Rutgers on Saturday, I'm going to, I don't know, like what's going to happen. But, you know, for what it's worth, I've, I've, I think that I've handled things better. So credit to me for, again, handling things more maturely i'm married now i'm pushing 30 almost not quite yet so i think overall there's there's you know, certainly progress there which is really the only good thing i can take about this At the end of the day we can't control what these 18 to 22 year old kids do so it's not healthy for us to you know get overly worked up when they disappoint us which they will do at least once a year
1: yeah that's pretty good matt and i, I think it's that's part of growing up so i'm, I'm glad that you uh, that you said that i think we can all learn a lot from that um, Thanks, Matt. Matt, I'm going to use my pood to touch on all the on the field issues that I identified watching the film back the other night. Um, I have about three pages of this. I'll try to keep it to less than that. Um, Thank you. So, just cut me off when I've gone uh, when I've gone over time here. But t- to me, there's really there's really four main issues that I that I can see based on the game. And and I guess my pood being, you know, Daz said in, in the press conference that a lot of this is fixable. I'm not so sure that's the case, Matt. And so I'll give you my four. Two of them are coaching, and then two are personnel-related. We've kind of touched briefly on, on a couple of them here. And this is just focused on the defense because, you know, the offense, you know, while they weren't perfect, at least they looked like they somewhat belonged in the same field as those
0: guys. Can't, can't say the same about the D. I don't even know if you can say that about the offense, too. I mean, outside of the first two possessions, but I
1: thought th- I really didn't think the offense was that bad, Matt. It,
0: this was this was uh, uh, this was a performance that I don't think I ever expected to see out of Anthony Brown. I know, but I it's it's that. a
1: byproduct of how bad
0: the defense was. I mean, of course, but you get we got a hundred yards in the second half against Kansas. We gave me? up
1: forty eight points to Kansas. Let's focus. I on understand the
0: defense. that. Let's be clear: the defense is 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 problem number one. But let's not let the offense off the hook here. We didn't lose this game forty eight to forty five. Let's focus on one issue at a
1: time here, okay? All right. So the first issue uh, is the general lack of defensive preparedness uh, in the game plan. It was pretty clear that that Les Miles saw a lot on film. He identified our, our issues and, and drew up a you know great game plan. He realized that hey, you know they don't have a power five level D line outside of Tanner Carafa, so I'm going to spread it out, force the linebackers to the outside, and oh by the way, this team also stinks at tackling, so I'll let my, I'll let my playmakers do the rest. And then you know hey, in the passing game, you know they're giving us twenty yard cushion, so. Whenever I get tired of dominating the run game, my QB will have all day to throw and just dink and dunk these guys to death. So that's number one: is the the lack of defensive game plan. Les Miles completely outcoached us in in that regard. So that's one. Any comments there?
0: No, no. I mean, I think you're I think you're correct. I, again, like I said earlier, this was the worst defensive performance I've ever seen on a football field, not just a BC football field.
1: Okay, so that was pregame. Number two, coaching halftime adjustments. Uh, again, defensively, we did nothing <laughs> in halftime. It seemed like. Uh, On either side of the football, well, you know, Les obviously did something to force the three and outs in the third quarter that we keep touching on that effectively ended the game. We got shut out offensively, so we're now averaging 5.6 points in the second half through three games. This is a pretty stark contrast to last year where we actually started slow more often than not and then finally woke up in the second half. You think about uh, NC State, Virginia Tech, Florida State all started slow, but then, you know, came on strong in the second half here. Uh, Number three is their zero pressure up front. Which again, outside of Carafa, not sure that we really have the the horses to to fix this. You know, right? this is to me might not be a, a right. fixable problem. Right. We felt good against Virginia Tech, where our linebackers, you know, were shooting up the gaps and, and getting coverage or getting uh, getting pressure. But um, you know, it turns out when we play a competent O line, then that pressure goes away. And then you know, last but not least, is the poor tackling. And, and Dad's pre- he touched on this in his press conference, but you know, it's difficult to simulate tackling in camp because. You can't really. You don't want to risk injury. I guess the hope would be that you recruit guys that already figured out how to tackle. But you know, it's it's an issue with with youth, I guess, and adapting to the speed of the game, which I think to some degree is. And I'm not I'm not giving anyone an out, but obviously we have a very young and inexperienced secondary, and these guys had a very hard time adapting to something they hadn't seen before in practice, and then you know adapting to how to tackle guys that are athletes. So those to me are the four issues, and my poot is that. If you're a competent uh, head coach, you're going to see what happened, and it's going to be your blueprint to how to beat this Boston College football team going forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, was the ambulance that was just going by outside your window, did that happen to be carrying the 2019 Boston College Eagles football season? Because I think we're officially on life support. That's pretty funny, Matt. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I had I had about four bullet points of yours to think that one over <laughs> there, so you gave me plenty of time. <laughs> uh, I'll go for, for my pood. It is everything, like you said. There's not a single good thing to take out of – this game uh, but if I have to boil it down to one thing I'll take I'll go off the field the main one is is that this was on a Friday night so not only is it only you know one of the what two games that were on at the time so everyone in the country notices but then you have all day Saturday to just stew on the loss while watching other teams not be completely terrible. So, just adds to the uh, you know adds to the embarrassment. If we were to slip this in at like a noon on ESPN three on a Saturday, I think he can live with it a little bit more. But if I just see another you know tweet or article or Reddit CFB post about the the historicalness of this of this loss, uh, I was going to absolutely lose my mind. So that to me, in a in a evening of terrible 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 things, the fact that this was again I guess good thing that fifty percent of the country doesn't get the ACC network, but the fact that The vast majority of the country, this was on national TV for and one of the only games on the schedule. Just really, really, really adds insult to injury here.
1: All right. You ready to get positive? I guess. That was 27 minutes of negativity. We're officially done. We're moving on. Are we? We're done. I don't know. I might
0: have a couple other things. Here's
1: my dude. Every single team, unless you go undefeated, every single team loses a football game. Isn't that true, Matt? Yeah, but we were going to go 15-0. Every good team in particular – not every good team, but a lot of good teams. There's precedent for losing a what-the-F game. And so I did some research on this. This is my effort to spin zone the loss and try to pretend it's not, not as bad as it was. So I'll run through these quickly, Matt, and I'll tell you, this could actually turn out to be the best thing that ever happened to us. Okay, um, so let's, let's hear two thousand So uh, 2007, uh, University of Southern California versus Stanford, who had gone 1-11 the year, the year before, very similar to, to our situation. They were a 41-point favorite. Uh, USC loses, but they, uh, finished 11 and two and won the rolls bowl, which I think we would take. Okay. 2007 okay. Michigan versus Appalachian state. That's obviously very well known. Michigan goes nine and four. They won the citrus bowl. You see a trend here. We're winning big time bowl games after bad losses. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. 2010 Virginia tech. They lost to James Madison. They then ripped off 11 straight wins to win the ACC. And then Ohio state does this every year in 2017, they lost by 30 to Iowa and then last year they uh, lost to Purdue, also by 30-29, uh, And then they ended up going thirteen and one and won the Big Ten and the Rose Bowl. Urban Meyer said after that one that it was actually a good thing because it exposed all the problems that they had and allowed them to fix it. When you know, and, and it sort of uh, it galvanized the team the rest of the year. So. That's my spin zone on this. This was actually a good thing, and this team's gonna figure it out for. in for, this, it's not conference. Matt, who cares? It's it's practically preseason. I agree with you.
0: I agree that it does not matter. I agree that it does not matter in the in the grand scheme if the goal is the conference play. But the reality is that our goal is just to get to eight, nine, ten wins. So it does matter for that. This is like a freebie that we that we completely missed out on. Again, I was saying with people after the game, it would be very BC and very Adazio to. You know, lose this game and drop another bad one and then, you know, be sitting on six wins and beat Notre Dame when they're like number two in the country and some shocking upset on the road, you know, to get us to seven wins. It's just kind of like the universe finds a way. If
1: we said, if we said two and one in one of those games was against Virginia Tech, I think we'd, we'd take that, right? So just trade Virginia we, Tech We would take two and, and one. I,
0: I, I I mean, yes and no. Yes and no. Again, I'm with you that it exposed a lot of issues, which is not always a bad thing, except now opposing teams can game plan against it. And now it's really a question of who's a better game planner, the coaches we're going against, or the coaches on our side that can fix our issues so that i think is
1: we also said that these these games against the cupcakes the richmond ruckers uh or sorry richmond kansas ruckers stretch it was not going to go according to plan there was going to be some adversity we didn't predict i didn't see a 24 point loss i mean i didn't
0: see a 48 point swing but not quite
1: to this extent and as we'll get into i was way more concerned about ruckers for a variety of reasons um didn't have that in the budget but uh it's over again matt we're moving on it happened It happens to good teams all the time. We're moving on.
0: All right. So I'm going to keep it going on the dude of the week. This is going to be a joint one for you and I, Matt. So I took an 8 a.m. train to D.C. on Saturday morning to visit my brother's family and his two-year-old nephew, which – I, I I just got to say, you know, I had a great weekend, but I can't recommend few things as as little as I do as as leaving for Penn Station at seven o'clock after a loss like that. But that's neither here nor there. I know you were at a baptism, so due to the week, I'm going combo each of our infant slash toddler nephews. Reason being, I think they were the only people we could have conversations with this weekend that didn't somehow turn back to the fact that BC lost to Kansas. It was literally like a game of six degrees of less miles for the entirety of Saturday and Sunday, except when talking to these two little people who were. Probably just too young to string together a a complete sentence, but big shout out to those guys. They say there is no medicine like a child's laughter, Matt. And in this case, there was no medicine like a child who couldn't comprehend or discuss the fact that a receiving votes Boston College team just lost by 24 as home 21-point favorites to a Kansas team that has won road wins since
1: 2010. Yeah, wow. Matt, I hit the trifecta this week, and I— got up to Boston played golf in the morning shout out to Granite Links beautiful golf course I, I, did you see my tweet the number the number 22 flutie I did Matt good tweet I think Doug so he hasn't checked his twitter in a while that's why he didn't retweet it but I think once he does probably. get back on he probably will Give the, yep. the
0: delayed retweet. So although it's, now is that the curse is playing a twenty two on game day? Like something went wrong. There was point. there was there was a failure, and we didn't, like I didn't wear a game day polo on Friday. I hate to admit that, but I think that might have played a part. There's an issue somewhere here that we need to kind of just go back kind to what we were re- doing. Re- the first retrace two games. our steps. Yeah, so, exactly. so I did
1: golf course. Kansas football or BC football game, baptism wedding all this weekend. So busy weekend for me, Matt. Uh, but yeah, the, the baptism it was sort of, it was a metaphor for this loss being washed out of our our sins being washed away. I think that's was
0: probably a little bit like the Godfather scene when they're doing the baptism. And while they're baptizing the child, they're also showing the monologue of, of everyone, you know, getting shot elsewhere. Spoiler alert. that's kind of violent to in, say
1: in the in the same sentence as a baptism, Matt.
0: It's, it's like the most famous scene in movie history. I haven't seen that one. Okay, so rent, it. rent uh, it from go to your local blockbuster tonight. And, so my dude, my dude, recommend the, my dude of the week, Matt, is CJ. It's Rutgers week, Matt. It's Ruckers week. You have to know the Sopranos <laughs> and you have to know the godfather for Rutgers week. My dude of the week is CJ Lewis.
1: Uh, one of the bright spots of the football game was the Philly special play uh, run to perfection. It was a perfect toss to, to AB and I'll tell you what, Matt, I don't know if we have a, a quarterback controversy, but that pass was electric and I'm glad that we have CJ Lewis, who again played quarterback in high school, unlike Kobe White, who I think we need to scope out yeah, of that play that going would, forward. Agree.
0: It is wild that we only it feels like we only recruit quarterbacks. Like I talked about it earlier on the defensive side of the ball. Everyone on our team played quarterback in high school, I think. And it was recruited as a quarterback. And then we were just like, Yeah, hey, you know what? We have fifty-three of you guys. Let's find some other positions.
1: Lost my train of thought. So let's let's move this into our next segment here. And Matt, I think is it is it as Corpus? It is. Alright, let's do it. Let's uh let's enter the courtroom here.
0: So for Dutyus Corpus, we're going to do a special hearing edition with regards to how bad Matt and I are with our predictions. In the the, The, the
1: chancery court. That's where we're doing this one.
0: Chancery court. Yep, exactly. Um, In Delaware. the The ACC is the worst conference in football already, so we're not even putting them on trial. They've already been convicted and just had a horrible weekend. So instead, we are going to talk about Matt and I and our terrible predictions and statements we've made throughout the very short season so far that seem to have already come in and and bit us so matt do you want to start we'll just bring up a couple statements and we'll and we'll rank them from from felony to misdemeanor to you know i don't know what other other legal terms you want to throw in here
1: matt i might get the death the death penalty (laughs) for this one too hey matt this is quoting me from after the virginia tech episode hey matt this bc defense did not rebuild they reloaded this defense is going to to be my favorite defense in BC history.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's like that. the jury's deliberating for like 30 seconds on that one. And they are handing down a very severe sentence. I don't know. I mean, look, they fooled us. Virginia Tech was supposed to be a great offense and they put up a, a decent performance against them and they were young and they stepped up in the areas. And I think that we bought into it. But again, I can't stress it enough. That was the worst performance I've ever seen in my life. So by default, that has to be the worst defense that we've ever seen in our life in, in BC history. So absolutely pathetic there. I was with you to be honest. I wasn't as far over the edge as you were, but I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how, how you can live with yourself at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, and it's turnovers. And I, I also said, and this, we don't have to, keep we can keep this one out of the courtroom. But I said, people try to say that that turnovers are luck, and they blatantly are. And I said they're not, and that's for nerds <laughs> to say that. And everyone that said, again, we already, we already talked about it, but the score would have, we lost by Virginia Tech by thirty if those turnovers yep. hadn't happened, and we just, we pulled the, the, we, we put our heads in the ground, in the sand. Is that the expression? Yeah, put our heads in the sand, exactly. Okay, well, let's uh, let's keep this moving here, Matt. I'm going to fire back as a rebuttal any of your statements that include Anthony Brown and Heisman in the same sentence.
0: Yeah, and again, I you know we've seen like you said earlier Jekyll and Hyde throughout the course of his career, but this was the worst version of the Hyde that we've seen so far. And it's just really disappointing. We know that he has the talent and we know that he has the ability because we've seen it on display a hundred times and we've seen him lead a phenomenal offense a hundred times. But for a national television against a pathetic defense, really not be able to do anything except outside of like two or three throws and one great touchdown catch. It's just incredibly frustrating. Like this was, I think, coming into the year and Daz said it too. He was okay with, you know, he knew we were going to give up a lot of points on defense, but he figured that we had the offensive firepower to win in these shootouts. And I bought into that idea as well. And Friday night just completely shot that down to hell and and now all of a sudden we need to slog out these wins um, you know keep them in the 30s if we even want a chance unless again he reverts back to the Jekyll version and actually figures this out so very 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 frustrating and and yeah I don't I don't know what to tell you I'm guilty
1: so he he can't hit any throws between I don't know six yards and 18 yards
0: right he's amazing long and he's amazing short at it doesn't make sense to me so
1: why don't we just why don't we just throw the long ball it's kind of the equivalent of shooting three only sh- only shooting threes in basketball let's only yep. run the football we can run screenplays. that's fine and let's only throw deep to to zay and Kobe and then that's our game plan I think we could actually play a much better game with with just doing that as opposed to you know, trying to hit the tight ends and 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 single coverage that are you know fifteen yard posts and and it's it's too bad too because we have such a good offensive line. He has all day to throw and uh, just can't get the timing down. So
0: yeah, it really is too bad. It's just disappointing, and I think that does segue nicely into the last one that I'll join or or one of the last ones that I want to collectively put us both on the stand for. So one that we will win the ACC. I feel like that was more me than you, but but you were on board as well, and both of us that we will win at least ten games. I don't know how fraudulent you think these both are right now. They certainly don't look good. It may be a little too early to convict, but, man, I, I would I would not want to have the evidence that's against us right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a misdemeanor at this point, but we'll see how the next few games go. That can certainly get elevated to to felony status, um, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, the
0: reality is the season could be over in two games. The only out like, we have— The weight game is, is is huge.
1: The only out we have is that the ACC is just so deplorable that we're going to have a better record than, than we should. And so we're going to back our way into seven or eight games just by virtue of the ACC sucking so bad.
0: Fair enough. Um, and then Matt, I think the last one that that you need to answer for this for this crime. Thank God the Red Sox have been eliminated because now the entire city of Boston will have their full undivided attention on the seven and O Boston College Eagles when we head down to Clemson in late October.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an electric chair situation. Can I say? Yeah, that? Can just, I say that?
0: That feels. Yeah, it's not too soon. Okay. No, you're fine.
1: Yeah, I, I want to take that back. It'd be better. Uh, If the Red Sox were in so that BC, the city of Boston was now not focused on BC losing to Kansas. And I I don't think our Clemson house is refundable, Matt. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, it's not.
0: Nope, we're going. We're going. So we are
1: going. We might not be going to Notre Dame anymore. I think that was, that had been penciled in. That has been erased.
0: Yep. No, I think so. So yeah, overall, Matt, we're in some trouble right now with the law for some very bad statements that are on the record. So yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say here because I'm sure there's a lot more out there that that we would immediately regret after watching that performance last night. Specifically, the fact that we only talked about Kansas football for like 30 seconds because we said this is – we don't need to preview them because it's like we're talking about an, uh, an FCS team I, here, I felt, which we were. I felt like an idiot after that too. It was like, well, we're a football podcast and we didn't
1: bother covering the football part. But that's what we do against, again, FCS opponents, which is what we Correct. saw Kansas as and – I, I I don't want to say it's too soon to see what they do the rest of the year, but they lost to Coastal Carolina. They can't be that good.
0: So. Right. Right. Yeah. Who knows? They might surprise a couple people again. Like I said, it's a it's a less miles Kansas. It's not you know the Kansas of the last ten years. So it may not end up as bad as as it currently seems. But the reality is that losing by twenty four to any low level Power Five team is is unacceptable. So any other statements that you want to review, or are we good to get out while we still have our our live our lives intact?
1: Court is adjourned. <laughs>
0: All right, let's block that Kansas game out and never talk about it again. Time to move on to Rutgers. Uh, Before we get into it, the Rutgers preview is brought to you by our friends at Blue Chew. This is especially relevant this week because I think we all lacked energy and blood flow. Maybe we get a group order to the BC locker room or something like that. Dudes, any of you out there looking to increase your performance on and off the field, yes, and get that extra confidence you're looking for, listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue chew brings you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know it works you can take them anytime day or night after a tailgate or a mod party or even at halftime in a game that you're down four points to kansas and since they are chewable they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises if you could benefit from extra function again yes and more confidence where it counts blue chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance Most guys talk a good game, as we did for this podcast, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. They're prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no more in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the United States of America, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners and our locker room. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code armchair. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E dot promo code armchair to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our Rutgers preview. Let's just get right into it, because we do need to actually talk some football this week, because that bit us in, in the butt pretty quickly uh, against Kansas, so what do you got quickly for fun facts?
1: Yeah, I, I don't even have a, a Blue Chew pun to, to give you this week, Matt, that's how dejected I am, but uh, my fun fact for Rutgers, uh, did you know, Matt, that Rutgers and Princeton played the first game of intercollegiate football? Uh, in 1869, the, f- the first game in-, in history. The game took place in present day College Ave Gymnasium which now stands in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and Rutgers won the game 6-4. to
0: four. Oh, a little indoor arena football for the first one ever. And I, I like that. I don't think
1: they've won since, Matt.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they haven't. You know, when you actually think about it, it's pretty wild that we get to play Rutgers in the 150th season. So that's, I guess, counts for something. My fun fact is, on a, I guess a similar note, they're the eighth oldest college in the United States, founded in 1766, so 10 years older than the U.S., which is, which is pretty cool. Um, and they were originally the Roosters, Matt. Now they're the Scarlet Knights.
1: Yeah, you, Matt. You, I, I have more to say on that, but let's just keep going. Okay,
0: <laughs> we'll take it offline. Well, um, now, now I'll
1: right. say it. Did you know that they changed from the Rooster to the Scarlet Knight because people kept calling them Chicken?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So, anyway, all right. it's good reason to good reason to change it. Um, all right, notable alum. I'll let you go first here. A pretty good list. I'll say that. Overall. Okay.
1: Uh, David Stern. Uh, in my one hall, he was obviously the commissioner of the NBA for 30 years. Did you know, Matt, he currently serves as an unofficial advisor to the current Rutgers AD?
0: Interesting. So that's why, I don't know, is there like corruption at Rutgers or anything that we should keep an eye out for? Any frozen envelopes? Well, he
1: did a lot for the NBA, so I think they're 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 thinking that maybe they can do the same for the the Rutgers program.
0: Fair. Um, with my first overall pick, it's it's Mr. New Jersey himself, no one other than James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano. I mean, everything he's in, he's amazing. May he rest in peace, by the way. But he is just like the quintessent. When you think New Jersey, I think I feel like you think Tony Soprano, and of course, he's a Rutgers grad. For the third pick, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Tom Amansky. No way. For anyone. Huh. Yeah, for anyone who played baseball growing up, or even just had a TV for that matter, we know all about Tom Amansky and his fundamental video. Who was his big MLB uh... back
1: to back to back championships? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all he did.
0: I think I think Fred McGriff was a yes, big spokesperson the crime dog for him, dog. right? Yes, you yeah, it. So Tom Man斯基. I mean, he's just he's. I don't know if he's in the baseball Hall of Fame, but he probably needs to have his own wing. Every fundamental that has ever been taught in the game is is thanks to our friend Tom. So that's a that's a really 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 strong alumnus to have.
1: Yeah, that's one of your best alumni you've ever produced. Um, I will say it's fitting for this week because we do need to focus on the fundamentals of tackling for our upcoming football game. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't go with your girl Elizabeth Warren. Um, I'll go with her in the four hole. She is Native American. Um, And then the five hole, Matt, we'll go with Carly Lloyd. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Team USA soccer, and she lights it up for the red, white, and blue.
0: And then I have to go to round this out John Carpenter, the first ever winner of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I still remember watching that episode live. Absolutely electric. He didn't get a single – he didn't have to use a single lifeline throughout his run to a million – once he got to the million dollar question, he used his phone a friend to call his dad to basically say, "Hey, dad, I don't need help with this. I just want to let you know that I'm about to win a million dollars because the winner, uh, the you know, answer of the question I think was FDR was the was the answer we were looking for. Although that could be wrong, it was a president was was the right answer. But yeah, first ever winner Regis Philbin back when game shows really were what what was what was hot in the streets in the United States, which was just a great time in in our history. So um, that's my sixth, and then for honorable mentions, Matt of course they have one astronaut uh terry hart
1: uh yeah cool matt i don't have any so let's keep the founder of
0: espn as well i figured i figured you would have that they're the founder of espn
1: yeah i saw that but i don't think that's right i thought it was uh i thought it was someone else so i didn't i didn't you're thinking chris
0: berman you're thinking chris berman but it's bill rasmussen
1: did you ever watch the weakest link that was a great game show.
0: Yeah, that was, again, during the whole game show run. It was the weakest link. It was 21, Greed, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And there's probably 15 other ones that I can't think of right now. But yeah, that was like, what a summer. Yeah, I'll tell you what. All right, so let's move it into
1: our next segment here, which is the, travel, the first of the season, Travel Ability Rankings. You guys remember from the previous episodes, we'll do Tailgate Ability for home games, which is out of 30 Bud Lights. And for away games, we'll do out of 30 RVs. But... No, wrong. It's out of five RVs. I think we changed the scale last year to keep it consistent. It's out of thirty RVs. Um, okay, I'm going to give you my answer out of five, but that's okay. Well, can you convert it because you're better at math than, than I am? Um, all right, so I'll, I'll kick it off here. So obviously, this isn't your typical, you know, road trip. We, we've our crew has done, you know, Raleigh and Charlottesville, and um, you know, a few of those, and it's you know, you really make a weekend at it. You get that you get down there Friday morning. This is a different situation. This is, I think, a a party train ride is is the plan. So we're all taking trains from either New York or Philly, wherever we're coming from, and you're literally going to New Jersey. So it's not really a a destination road trip, I guess. One note I have, Matt, is did you know there's a brew fest beforehand? So I don't know if you saw this, but apparently they've done they've done this before. You pay fifty bucks, and there's like five or six breweries there. That and it's no one that's really all that great, but but anyway, so. They announced that there was a brew fest before the game before they locked in the uh the game time. So the brew fest is taking place from nine thirty AM to eleven thirty AM because it's obviously a noon kickoff. So it's uh it could be could be an interesting situation in the parking lot with uh you know double IPAs at, at nine AM.
0: Yeah, that's a little aggressive, especially because it's going to be an eighty two degree day, but I don't want to get too much into my score. So can I get what's your what's your R V ranking? Yeah, rate?
1: I have twelve point seven.
0: Okay, that's really that's out of thirty. Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean I'm the noon kick is terrible. Um it is going to be a, an Indian summer day, which I do like. So eighty-two degrees coming off a brutal loss, which obviously takes the air out of this program. If we were three and oh coming into this and riding on the party train or the party bus or wherever you're gonna get to this game, like this would be a super fun and awesome road trip, but it'll be a little bit deflated. It will be a big BC contingent, which I do think helps. It's like when we went to Army and lost a couple years ago, it was still like fifty percent BC fans. So overall, I'm going 3.2 out of 5, which I guess would be 18, 19.2, 19.2. So higher than you, but it's not great.
1: Yeah, showing off on the math. I can't check that. But but yeah, so so not, you know, obviously it would have been better if, if we won and we were, you know, potentially on the road to 4-0, but it will be a fun day for the boys nonetheless. All right, so let's get into the football here. So it, it feels like deja vu because we just touched on how Kansas has had a rough decade. Rutgers has had a similar decade where they... Pretty much, I didn't bother looking this up, but I think they go 2-10 virtually every single season. BC leads the all-time series against these guys 19-6-1, but they've gone 12-0-1 in the last 13 meetings. These guys obviously date back to the Big East days. It's a 7.5-point spread in the Eagles' favor on the road. This is a game, again, that the Eagles should win. It is a must-win, and they need to win, which I think is just three different ways of saying the same thing there, Matt.
0: Yeah, it's a complete must-win in every single way. I don't. We talked about earlier about the mid firing. I just I don't know that it necessarily always answers all the questions. But if you lose this game, I don't understand how he does not get left. Adazio does not get left on the tarmac in in Newark. Honestly, right? Like losing to Kansas and then Rutgers and back to back is in is an historically terrible stretch if that happens.
1: Yeah, and and so I mean, there's a ton of storylines here. One being, you know, we've obviously taken over the state of New Jersey. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint. So there's a a rivalry from that standpoint. It's a huge game for, you know, the next, really the the long term, who's going to be kind of be able to say, hey, well, we won this game. You know, if if we say we beat Rutgers by 30, you know, I I like our chances to keep getting guys out of that state. BC has 17 guys on the roster that are from Jersey. Um, I think there's three or four people alone that went to AB's high school on, on the other side. So there's a lot on the line for these guys from that standpoint uh ruckers head coach chris ash is very much on the hot seat i think uh ash and and adazio were ranked nine and ten respectively on the uh coach's hot seat list so
0: i mean it literally this could be this if reports are true at least on the ruckers side this could be a loser leaves town match where the loser of this game is fired afterwards.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So Rutgers uh, last year had one of the worst offenses, I think, in NCAA history. So to fix that, they brought in a a grad transfer quarterback, McLean Carter. He was concussed last week against Iowa. So they fell out. So they beat UMass week one uh, pretty handily. And then uh, last week, they lost 30 to nothing to Iowa. They didn't even come close to putting points on the board. So again, and I I hesitate to say this because last time we, we read into the prior opponent, it bit us in the butt, but uh, anytime you score zero points and gain 41 total yards, I think, of passing, it was, between the two quarterbacks, uh, I like our chance to shut down this guy's, uh, these guys' offense. I-, I would like to think that you know we-, we sort of learned our lesson from last week, and uh, we should be able to you know, absolutely shut these guys down in the passing game and allow the linebackers to focus on stopping the run. Uh, where they have shown flashes, they've had a couple uh, you know somewhat big plays, more so against UMass than, than Iowa. But this is much more a run first team than otherwise. So that's gonna be the. Yeah, that's focus. horrible.
0: That's bad news.
1: It, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, Les Miles put put together a pretty good integrated offensive game plan, both passing and and running. I think if our guys can focus on one, similar to how we did against Virginia Tech, where we shut down the run, and you know we're able to kind of drop back into into coverage and uh, not give up the big play. That's a better recipe for success than what we saw against Kansas. So. I'm not. Uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I, I'm obviously concerned after what we saw last week. But from a matchup standpoint, at least defensively, we match up better with these guys than we do against Kansas.
0: Fair, but again, right now with the way that I feel about this defense and the lack of adjustments that we saw in game, it just really concerns me that with a you know full eight days that we're going to really be able to figure it out. Rutgers again coming off of a bye week, which is never fun. Their coaching staff might not be the best, but I don't think ours is either. So with a full 14 days to prepare and watching the footage of basically, you know, the manual of how to rip apart this Boston College defense and you know, our offense for that matter, that worries me that they've, you know, they basically have the blueprint of, of, of what they can do. Yeah, you mentioned it otherwise, you know, balanced, but not great. I, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's weird. It's, it's yeah, they looked horrible against Iowa. They looked really bad for the first half against UMass, but Kansas probably looked worse over their first two games and we saw what happened. So I really, I just, I have, I have no read whatsoever on what to expect out of them on the offensive side of the ball. I will say on our, when we have the ball, I do feel confident that our defense will, you know, or our, sorry, our offense will figure it out and, and get back to where we looked really in the, in the first game week two is, you know, FCS. Like we said, you can't really take a lot from it, but I, I, I do have confidence that, there are enough leaders in that room that will hopefully fire everyone up and get everyone back on the same page and back to play in the you know the the way that we know that we're capable of with an all ACC running back and, or an all American running back really and talent wise an all ACC quarterback again like you said playing in front of all of his friends and family playing against a bunch of his friends there is a, a lot on the line. You, know, you say? we have seventeen guys, I think, on our roster who are who are New Jersey kids. So this yeah, is going to be but an emotional game. Th-
1: Thirty six from uh, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, which I think really covers that that tri-state. exactly
0: right. So the, you know, everyone's families are going to be there. It's going to be an emotional game for for that. But also, I think because you know you hope that this team is angry, and it's a it's a big time put up or shut up game for the Eagles right now. It would be very easy for them to just say. Man, last Friday was a disaster. Let's just go out there and you know see what we can do the rest of the way. Or they actually can turn around and 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 come out pissed off and and hit this team in the mouth from the get go. I mean, UMass went up on them twenty one nothing in the first quarter. So clearly there is some vulnerability there to do damage quickly if if we can figure it out. So that's you know honestly my my biggest hope right now is is that look we are a more talented team than Rutgers. I, I really don't think there's any denying of that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But it's a it's a question of you know what can what can we do and uh, you know mentally Especially and, and what team is going to show up
1: and and yeah i mean from a from a talent standpoint and we don't we're not great at recruiting right but this is the one area where we've gutted their state we've take we've poached every single good player from the state of new jersey and they're they're left with the leftovers so these are our our team is vastly more talented across the board than these guys so uh, you, you touched on a couple things uh, they do have one you know big time playmaker or potentially a good time, a big time playmaker, Uh, this guy, Blackshear, that sort of, mm-hmm. he seems like this Percy Harvin-esque kind of guy that... Uh, Raheem is, Blackshear
0: is a phenomenal running back, yeah, man, by the way. Yeah, it,
1: it is. I agree. But he's, you know, he's a running back, but he's also very heavily involved in the, in the wide receiver game. So he's a guy where, if we haven't figured out the tackling issues from last week, and I don't know that you really can in a week... Um, So that's one one concern, but he's a guy that can make people miss. So um, something to watch for there. But yeah, offensively, I don't really think that there's a ton we need to fix. I think we just need to play to our strengths, which is our line, which is A.J. Dillon and and David Bailey. And I was joking around earlier, but, you know, this should be a 70% run-heavy game. And if fans have an issue with that, then you guys are dumb. I mean, this is a team that we should— We saw
0: it, right? We saw it. We we are better when we run. We should absolutely
1: bully these guys. And I said it when we played Richmond. You know, the beauty of—and this didn't age well, but I said, you know, the beauty of having a guy, a talent like A.J. Dillon on your team is that you're never going to lose to inferior opponents, and again that that was <laughs> We should
0: have put we should have brought that to the courtroom too, huh? Yeah,
1: that's that's borderline a, a felony in its own right. But uh no, I mean it, but it's 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 true. I mean we should be able to, to stick to the BC game plan of wearing these guys down, and as long as our defense can do something productive, anything productive, force force a turnover, get a stop. Then you know we can rely on that game plan and, and keep the lead and uh, and continue to wear these guys down. So you know no matter what happens with with AB, you know we can stick to our guns. We can stick to that line, stick to Dylan, and uh, I'm hoping Dylan has has an, a, an, another breakout performance. What's lost in all the the BS from last week was he had a really really good game. You know he racked yeah, if we, up.
0: If we kept going in the second, if we if we had a lead and kept going in the second half, he would have had like an all time all-time game
1: yeah I mean he's not having a bad season but we are waiting for him to explode in in the way that that he can so um, again heavy die to Dylan get Bailey involved in the screen game I think that's an awesome one-two punch wear these guys down and do not do not do not lose this game it would become a laughing stock for I don't know the next decade probably
0: yeah this this would be a loss I mean last week's already set us back a little bit but losing back to back these games would I think legitimately set our recruiting momentum and our fans interest and donations and everything else you want to say back like a solid decade um, so this is just an absolute cannot lose under any circumstances whatsoever or I, I really don't know what what will come of it again like I said I don't love them coming off of a buy and having a full 14 days to prepare though I'll say on the BC side with how bad of a game plan we put out it wouldn't shock me if like we were looking ahead to this one well I said so, that, I said that
1: last week too right but I didn't really get that sense that we were looking ahead right it was more that it just we was a just, horrible
0: game plan no I mean I don't know yeah
1: so maybe the coaches were a little bit but I even that I'm I, right I, I don't know, man. I mean, and again,
0: you know, I'll say, right, like we, we say as fans, well, it's Rutgers, why are you going to look at the Rutgers? But we talked about it right? 36 kids have a homecoming game. So maybe there is a little bit of like, uh, look, I'm psyched. Like, I'm looking forward to this. I have a lot of friends and family. Absolutely. I've been, I mean, you know, trying to get tickets all week. Again, we're dealing with 18, 22 year old kids here. Let's not forget that. I was just going to say, like, what I played, emotionally, I, I don't blame them and, for that. And again, it's soccer,
1: so it's not exactly the same. But in high school soccer, like, when I, played, different. when I played against other towns that had kids from my club team on it, obviously that was a game that I had circled on my calendar. It's just the way it is. So um, it wouldn't shock me if, if yeah, part of it was we were looking ahead and I, I said it last week it's you know is is kansas a trap game for Rutgers? i don't think that's the full answer and i i, I hope it is and i hope it's not you know we just suck but but anyway so we'll, we'll um, find out soon enough we, we, we sure will matt so all right so i'll roll it in my predi- prediction i think these guys are pissed i think that last week was an anomaly i have to think that because i don't know i i, I need to stay positive for, for what else is there sake. to live for if we don't right? <laughs> yeah and 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 i think we honestly might cancel the podcast we, we joked around last week um <laughs> If we lose the Rutgers, two and
0: two, you, you will I'm not, you.
1: you will not hear from us. That's yep. there's just nothing to gain there. Um, so I, I get the offense being pissed. I get the offense, uh, you know, overcoming the the defensive shortcomings. And I think Rutgers will put up points because I don't think that some of the issues we saw last week are fixable in a week. But I hope those those guys prove me otherwise. So I have forty eight to twenty one. But I don't feel good about it the whole way.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. And actually, while we've been recording this, I've been cl- I've been slowly, like every couple minutes, ticking up my number for the uh, my prediction for Rutgers' score because I, again, just talking about how bad the defense was. I think I originally had them only scoring like ten, and I just realized that's absolutely absurd. So uh, I'm with you on the offensive side. I I really do think that they're going to explode and get back to the team that we expected to see at the start of the year. But the defense, I. I just, again, I can't expect really too much out of them right now. Again, we are basically on the exact same page. I'm going BC 45, uh, Rutgers twenty four, so the exact same margin of victory there, just three points less all the way around. And you know, again, it's it's this is put up or shut up or time right now. It is a complete must win. I do think it will be a little bit uncomfortable. I think that around you know halftime, for example, this is going to be miserable we, from us from a. Yeah, it's going to we'll be, gonna be, be there, terrible, terrible, it, terrible. It's going to suck. Watch.
1: We're gonna we're gonna be miserable the entire time until we're up by I don't know four plus possessions if that yep. if that even happens.
0: If that happens, right? So yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's it's. It's it's wild to say this. If you told me three weeks ago I was gonna say this Rutgers game is the is the most important game in the last you know few years, I'd tell you you're crazy, but this is a, a literal like program restarter if we if we lose on Saturday. So no pressure, I guess. Thanks again to our sponsors, Blue Chew and MyBookie, Blue promo code armchair. Again, please if you're on the football team, I, I recommend looking into that. Uh, and when betting on the birds to pick up the pieces this weekend, head over to mybookie.ag and use promo code chair. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fourth and Dude. I imagine Matt, you and I will be together with with the big group on Saturday, so there'll be a lot of content coming out there. And as always, be sure to keep an eye on our guys at Eagle Insiders BC twenty four seven. They do not slow down when it comes to their best BC insider content in the business. And I think they're both Jersey guys as well, so they should have a lot of good ruckers insight this week. Hope to see everyone in Piscataway on Saturday. We still have about 200 koozies to give away, which after Friday's performance seems like kind of a waste of money, but who knows? Maybe these guys will flip the switch the rest of the way. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to all the listeners we ran into on Friday night at Dewey's. I know it was a terrible evening, but it was great seeing all of you and, and hope to run it back with a better result on Saturday. Thanks again for listening. Matt, I'm postponing the road to Charlotte until further notice, but Friday night is now in the rear view. This felt good to get this all out. And to quote Belichick, we are officially on to Ruckers.
1: The road to Piscataway rolls on. It's a dude alert, folks.